Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. the Holy Scripture together, and today we're going to read Luke chapter 9, uh, verses 18 through 25. Uh, You can see that up on the screen, and it says, Once, when Jesus was praying alone, with only the disciples near him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say I am? They answered, John the Baptist, but others, Elijah, and still others, that one of the ancient prophets has arisen. He said to them, But who do you say that I am. Of course, Peter answered, the Messiah of God. And he sternly ordered and commanded them not to tell anyone. He said, the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Then he said to them all, If any would become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will save it. What does it profit them, or us, if we gain the whole world but lose or forfeit ourselves? This is the word of God for the people of God. All right, sit down, sit down. So you guys don't know it, you're on holy ground today because scripture has been fulfilled in your midst. So Brayden, if you want to throw it up there. Um, I brought the tribe of Levi near and set them before Aaron the priest, and we are here to assist him today. So my kids don't realize what a commitment that's going to be for them, but they'll come around to it. This may not come as a galloping shock to most of you, but I really, really hate exercise. I know. I know everybody looked at me when I walked up and said, wow, he looks good. But I don't exercise. This is just natural. Natural. I hate everything about exercise. I hate how my, you know, my tongue sticks to the top of my mouth. Your throat gets dry. You know, you sweat like a 12-year-old boy at Sadie Hawkins dances. You know, you... Your knee hurts so bad, it just wants to like walk out and lay on the bed by itself. It's just awful. And I think I hate it most of all because of all those reasons. It's painful, it's uncomfortable, and I don't like to be uncomfortable. I don't like brokenness, I don't like pain, I don't like ugly things. And for me, exercise is a very ugly thing. And I think that says something probably more broadly about us in America, which is we really don't like discomfort and we don't like pain and we don't like comfort, uh, sorry, we don't like brokenness. But we might look at it in different ways depending on who you are. But we know that whatever makes us individually uncomfortable or whenever we encounter a type of brokenness that really bothers us, we tend to run away from it. So there are some statistics that kind of back this up in today's world. Um, The Gallup survey has talked to people for generations about friendship. And 40 years ago, when they asked how many close friends or confidants do you have, people would say three. They have three close 
confidants. But now, today, it's down to one. So most of us have one confidant, and I'm willing to bet it's the person you're probably sitting next to. It's your spouse or your partner or a close friend. Another interesting thing is when we learn about opioid addiction and overdose, 130 people every day die from opioid overdose. So everyone in this room, this many people every day. More people die from opioid overdose than die from gun deaths total, suicides, homicides, accidents. Opioid overdose is taking over our society. And the number one reason people give the CDC for why they do it, why they take opioids, is not physical pain. It might start that way, but ultimately most people take it for emotional struggle. You know, another fascinating and very sad thing is that 60% of gun deaths in America are suicides. So you're way more likely to know someone who takes their life with a gun than actually to shoot an intruder coming into your home. And when it comes to anxiety and depression, one quarter of our teenagers say that they're experiencing mild, moderate, or severe anxiety or depression. They're having these experiences, and the question becomes why? Like, what is that about? Because in America, we're like the most comfortable, safe society in the history of the world. 90% of us own air conditioning, when only 8% of the global population has air conditioning. 88% of us own a car. Only 8% of the world own a car. 80% of us own a smartphone. And only 30% of the world own smartphones. So even before air conditioning in a car, some people have gotten smartphones. You've got to have your priorities straight. I mean. But what's interesting about this is what David Platt says, which is if you own a house and two cars... You're in the top 5% of the world's wealth. I don't know about you, but I don't feel like I'm in the top 5% of the world's wealth. You know, when I walk out to my car in the morning, the tires are kind of bald, and there's a big crack in the windshield from the oil trucks that come and go around our house, and uh, the air conditioner broke this summer. So I don't feel like a 5%er, but really, I should be walking out like Kanye, or I don't know who's in style now, Bella, is it? Kanye, Beyonce, I don't know. But I should walk out like a player, like I'm top 5% like this, right? Because I am. I'm in the top 5% of the world's wealth, and so are many of us. So what's interesting about that is we're more comfortable than we've ever been, yet we're more uncomfortably, uncomfortable being uncomfortable. You know, for some of us, brokenness, pain, discomfort, it might come in the form of those friendships having conflict. And that might be why we don't have friends anymore. We don't like conflict and we run from conflict. Or our friends have run from us when there was conflict. For some of us, it might be financial pain or pressure. You know, opioid addiction is much higher in areas where unemployment is really high. For some of us, it's just the things we see in the world around us. Maybe our life is pretty good, but we turn on the news or read a website and we see things we don't like, and we run from those things. But what's really interesting, and I know at this point you're thinking like, my God, Aaron, why did you ask this guy to talk to me? He's such a downer. I promise I'm not. I promise I'm not. But one of the key spiritual learnings I've had this year came from two totally different experiences in totally different places. It started early in the spring when I went to the Christian Alliance for Orphans 
conference in Louisville, Kentucky. And there the president of CAFO, Jed Medifin, this is a guy who used to work for George W. Bush and his faith initiatives in the early 2000s. He started the Christian Alliance for Orphans, and he gave a really moving sermon. And in that sermon, he talked about why it was so hard to find good foster parents and keep good foster parents. And one of the reasons he gave that really stuck with me is that in life, we have to walk with beauty and with brokenness. And typically, if you're like me, you tend to want to run toward beauty and run away from brokenness. When we do that, we lose some of the emotional muscles we need to handle brokenness, and we get weaker and weaker in our abilities to handle them. And he said if we would engage in activities to strengthen those muscles and engage in brokenness and walk with beauty and brokenness together, we would be much healthier Christians in a much fuller life. Now what's interesting is you fast forward a few months ahead, and Marty and I were privileged to be scholarship to go to Scotland and learn from a, a great teacher, uh, Reverend Dr. John Philip Newell. And I heard the same message in a totally different form. Instead of Louisville, Kentucky, I was on the north beach of the island of Iona in Scotland. And you should be jealous if you are, because it was amazing. And Dr. Newell said something interesting, which was, there's an ancient mystic named Hildegard von Bingen, Googler, she's really interesting. And she said that our life is much like the life of an eagle. And that like the wings of an eagle, you need beauty and brokenness. You need glory and pain. And if you're missing one of those elements, you either can't fly or you fly around in circles. I don't know how many of you feel like you're flying around in circles, but I've felt that feeling many times in my life. And so to really fly, to really soar, to really live that full Christian life, Hildegard says you need both wings of that eagle, beauty and brokenness. So I work at Circle of Care, in foster care. I've experienced it personally as Marty and I have gone on that journey of fostering and adopting. You know, we walk that line of beauty and brokenness every single day in our personal lives and in my professional life. And I wasn't always good at it, and some days I'm still not good at it. But I think it's the answer to our question, why are we so disconnected today? Why are we disconnected from the orphan, from the widow, from that person experiencing homelessness or oppression or abuse or neglect, from folks with special needs? I think that's one of the reasons, is that we run from the brokenness. Even as our Lord Jesus shows us in his life that he took up his cross, that he ran into the brokenness. But like exercise I, that I hate so much, I think we have to start working those emotional muscles, right? Kind of toe-dipping into brokenness, kind of experiencing some of that in the lives of the people around us in order to take up our cross as Jesus tells us to do in this passage. And one of the most important things we need to remember is that Jesus didn't even carry his cross alone. Somebody had to come help him carry it. And so what's great is we have like the coolest church in the history of churches right here and this awesome family, and nobody should pick up their cross alone because there's plenty of us around to help carry those crosses. 
the great thing about this church is there are so many opportunities right now today to get involved in learning more about how to engage difficulty, brokenness, lostness, all the different categories you can think of. I mean, right now, you can get involved in our special needs ministry that we're just now building. This afternoon, you can come help build those sensory kits. We can impact not just our church, but our community with something as simple as a kit with sensory items. You can learn more about foster care from me or from Marty. We'll talk about it all day long. The interesting thing about foster care is it's almost a, a silly crisis to be in because there are 8,000 kids in state custody, but it would only take 0.25% of Christian parenting age adults to step up and foster, and the crisis is over. One quarter of 1% of Christian parenting age adults, it's a pretty narrow category, one quarter of 1%, and the foster crisis is over. We would have enough homes to place every child in a safe, loving home. And if we were able to do that, Circle of Care, we could put all of these resources that you guys provide to us toward prevention. We already do some small prevention work. We work with single homeless moms um, who, who have kids that have been taken or are about to be taken. We help them get healthy, get a budget, get a job, get a car. And we do the same thing with kids who are aging out of foster care. Kids who have no parents, who have no home. They turn 18, where do they go? So we have a program for that, and we do the same thing. We help them get healthy, get a budget, get a job, get a car, all the things you need to live life. But those programs right now are pretty small because we have this rushing river of kids going into foster care. If you can picture yourself out fishing, maybe up in Seattle, some beautiful place, and this rushing river with that mountain water coming down, and as you're fishing, you see one kid fly by, and then another kid, and then 26 kids, and then 8,000 kids go flying down the river. And what do you do? Because you're nice people. You would probably try to get the kids out of the river, right? That's what we do. And that's foster care. It's just pulling kids out of the river. But we don't even take the time to go up to the bridge where the hole is that the kids keep falling down into because we're so worried about the ones that are already in the river. So that's where the help comes in becoming a foster parent. But as important as foster parents are people who support foster parents. Because so many of our foster parents, well, frankly, they quit. Now, some of them quit because they've adopted and their house is full. And that's great. Some quit because they're so overwhelmed with the struggle and they feel alone and they don't feel supported. And so we look for ways to help them feel supported. And that's an area where some of you can help. One of the exciting things about our church is you know, Marty and I and Aaron are working on a ministry called Cardinal House. And hopefully uh, that moves forward. We want you to pray about that with us. We're looking at some funding from the Methodist Church this week and doing some interviews. But this cool ministry would allow us to take in foster kids for a weekend, give foster parents a chance to rest and recuperate, and give us a chance to help those kiddos deal with their trauma in creative ways, with activities and different events, and also to share with them the gospel and the love of Jesus. There are over 50 mentions of the fatherless or the orphan in the Bible. And you guys are probably familiar with James 1. Pure and undefiled religion is caring for orphans and widows in their distress. 
But the vast majority of these verses come from the Hebrew Bible, from the Old Testament. So this is a tradition going back thousands and thousands of years that comes straight from God in the beginning. That we're to care for those who can't care for themselves. Why would you do that? Why would you willingly engage in the brokenness, the trauma, the pain of another person's life? There's really no reason to do it, except, here's the news, you guys are Christians, I heard. I saw the cross. We look to Jesus. Jesus took up his cross, and we see the horror of the brokenness of the cross. Every time we do communion, which we're going to do today, we're reminded of the brokenness of Jesus on the cross. It's part of who we are as Christians, to see that brokenness and interact with it. Yet, Jesus, we learn in the book of Hebrews, went to the cross for the joy set before him. Like the song we just sang, I love King of Kings, great song. It says he saw to the other side. So he started in brokenness, but he saw something down the road, past the brokenness, that was joyful. Yeah, joy, because he went to the brokenness of the cross to hold the beauty of the third day. You know, we can't forget our God is a God of resurrection, right? We sing all these songs today about this. Every single death ends in life. Every divorce ends in new hope. Every person experiencing depression has the hope of a new day. Every person who's had loss knows that God lost his only son, but that he came back on the third day. Because you see, we're a third day people. I mean, we walk into brokenness knowing it leads to that third day beauty. We lean in where other people run away. We pick up crosses where others have thrown them down. We don't look at someone who experiences trauma and say, what's wrong with you? We say, I am coming to you because Jesus came to me. Why? Because we're a third day people. That's what we do. We know if we walk into the grave of brokenness with Jesus, we'll rock right back out with Jesus in new life, in resurrection. If we push into that tomb of brokenness and despair, we rise out of that tomb in the beauty of perfect healing and renewal. We know if Jesus walked out of that grave, we're walking right out with him. Anybody with me? Are we going to do this? Because he still, even in his joy, holds the scars. Did you ever think about that? He sits at the right hand of the Father. He's in perfect joy. He knows that by his name, billions and billions of people are saved, and yet he still holds the scars of the crucifixion. See, third-day people, we have scars and joy. We walk in beauty and brokenness. And my prayer for you is that you would just ask yourself how that changes your life, to look at Jesus in that strange paradigm of beauty and brokenness. Ask yourself why you're disconnected from the orphan or the widow or those who experience homelessness or poverty or depression. And a lot of times it's just because if you're like me, we're just afraid of brokenness. The good news is there's no need to despair. There's no need to worry. There's no need to flee discomfort or pain or brokenness because we're that third-day people who lean into that suffering, who go down into that tomb of death and bring people out with us in the resurrection of life, who enter the grave of brokenness 
and walk out of that grave with Jesus into beauty. And so the only question we really need to ask ourselves is, who are we going to take with us? Who's going to walk out of that tomb with us? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.